you're listening to The Way Home with Daniel Darling, a proud member of the Denim Audio Network. Hello and welcome everyone back to the Way Home Podcast. This is Dan Darling, your host. I'm so glad that you're joining me today. We have a great guest in store for you, a great conversation. But before that, I just want to update you about a few things. First of all, recording here from the campus of Texas Baptist College, where I lead the Land Center for Cultural Engagement. Wanted to let you know if you are in the Houston area, next week we will be in the Houston area at Sagemont Baptist Church. Thursday, September 22nd at 6.30 p.m. for a uh, Texas Baptist College Worldview Night. Just talking about Christian worldview, how Christians should live during this confusing moment. Love to have you. You can find a link in our show notes. It's a free night. Love for you to come out, bring your kids. We're uh, talking to young people, parents, all kinds of folks. So we'd love to have you there. Also, again, I want to continue to remind you that my book, The Characters of Creation, is is available. You can buy that uh, wherever books are sold. It's part of the character series I've done with Moody Press, Characters of Christmas, Characters of Easter, and Characters of Creation. We'd love for you to pick that up. Also, many of you are thinking about what to do for Christmas in your church in terms of themes, and a lot of churches have done the characters of Christmas. I've got a couple of churches already that have contacted me. If you go to our website, there's all kinds of resources for you to download to help you do that with your church. We'd love for you uh, to do that. Go to danieldarling.com. Okay, today we have a great guest in store. His name is is Ronnie Kurtz, and Ronnie teaches theology at Cedarville University. He taught for many years at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he has a new book out called Fruitful Theology, How the Life of the Mind Leads to the Life of the Soul. And I wanted to have Ronnie on because he's got a really great perspective on how Christians should pursue study of the Word, study of Christian theology, intellectual pursuits. You know, sometimes there's this false dichotomy between study and scholarship and everyday living, uh, as if the deep stuff is really only for scholars and everybody else can kind of ignore Bible study. Sometimes scholars can be in a sort of ivory tower and not be practical and have theology that really impacts the daily lives of ordinary believers. And so Ronnie's trying to bridge that gap. It's a project that I really feel strongly about. His book is excellent. He talks about how theology should not drive us to arrogance. Scholarship should not drive us to thinking we know more than everybody and thinking we're right all the time, but really should drive us to worship and awe and humility. So I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Let's get started with Ronnie Kurtz. Glad to have Ronnie Kurtz here on the Way Home Podcast. Ronnie, thanks for joining me today. So glad to have you with us. Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate you and appreciate what you do here on the show. So it's an honor to be with you. Yeah. So Ronnie Kurtz, uh, as we talked about in the intro, he has a PhD from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's assistant professor of theology at Cedarville, which is a great school. Was a pastor in Kansas City for seven years. So pastor, academic, everything like that. So. Ronnie, I wanted to just talk about your latest book. It's called Fruitful Theology, How the Life of the Mind Leads to the Life of the Soul. One of the things I was thinking about as as I was thinking about this conversation was, 
you and I have done some similar things. I pastored for about six years and I'm in the teaching and seminary. You pastored, now you're teaching full time at a, um, at a Christian college. I think even the themes of this book really resonate if you've been, kind of been in both worlds. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Uh, and I've always seen myself as somebody who was kind of bridging both worlds, kind of yeah. trying to translate theology for the average Christian, which I think really needs to happen. And so maybe maybe talk about your role in that, kind of how you see yourself. Yeah. You, know, you, you pastored, but now you're in the academy and, and kind of both worlds. Yeah, I really resonate with what you said there, kind of living that hybrid life. I see myself hopefully kind of as long as the Lord would have me kind of living at that intersection of doctrine and affections. That's kind of where I want to live my life. Mm -hmm. And I, during my seminary career, I really struggled is, is my vocational first step going to be pastoral ministry or is it going to be academic ministry? Mm -hmm. And really just love both. I love studying. I love writing. I love doing all of the heavy lifting of academic theology, but I also love God's people, like actual God's people, not just the idea of God's people. I love being with them. I love preaching. I love the local church. And so I just, you know, kind of had a conviction early on that unless God made me choose, I'm just not going to choose. I'm just going to try to do both as long as the Lord would let me. And books like this, really do help kind of bring together both of my passions in that kind of way. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, right, aren't we trying to do two things? I think, obviously, the church, the seminary, the academic world has to always keep in view that we, we serve the church. <clears throat> but on the other hand, when I was a pastor over the last, you know, decade, couple decades, I've seen the need to raise the uh, theological literacy of God's people. And I think about that often where you and I have been privileged to be able to get theological education. Um, and thankfully today it's, it's more accessible than it's ever been because of technology and mm -hmm. those things. But there are a lot of folks in our communities who want to learn the scriptures. They want to learn theology, but they're never going to really uh, do it through a formal institution. And so how can, I'm glad a lot of churches and leaders are figuring out how can we bring theological education mm -hmm. to the people of God. That's it right. seems to me when you're a pastor, you know, that's kind of a primary role. Like how do we, how do we educate our people about the things of God? That's exactly right. And if one of the things you care about is the joy of your people, which you should as a pastor, theology isn't as, it's not a sufficient condition to give mm -hmm. them joy. It's not going to, it's not going to be their, it's not going to be the only tool they need to pursue joy, but man, it's a good one and used well, it really can be a deep well of joy. And so I think you're exactly right. Pastors giving that to their people is so vital. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so this is why I really enjoyed it. Because, you know, I it's interesting when I was reading the subtitle, How the Life of the Mind Leads to the Life of the Soul. And I, I want to get into some of the, the topics and chapters. But I grew up in a kind of anti-intellectual um, context. And, and look, I'm not at all bitter about, you know, upbringing all that. I'm not, you know, sort of writing an ex-evangelical memoir or anything <laughs> like that. Grateful for my parents raising me in the church and going to church two times a week. But it, it was more on the sort of, um, you know, fundamentalist side, you know, in terms of very distrustful of rigorous, you know, scholarship and, you know, intellectualism. And uh, one of the things that really changed the way I think was starting to read and study folks who were Christian scholars, but who 
were able to communicate in a way that was accessible mm-hmm. and, and didn't, you know, they, their scholarship didn't diminish their joy for Christ and it didn't lead them astray in terms of theologically. I remember reading John Piper's book, book on the life of the mind, like when it first came out and thinking, mm-hmm. okay, you can do this. So, so talk to me about why it's important for Christians to pursue the life of the mind, whether you're going to get, you know, advanced degrees or whether you're not, why is it important to cultivate the life of the mind? Why, why does that matter to Christians? Yeah, absolutely. I love this question. Um, if you, if you had, if you have asked me, you know, what, what's the one passage that undergirds kind of this book and even, you know, more broadly, my ministry in general, it's uh, oddly enough, when Paul is talking to the Corinthian church in Second Corinthians 3, and he says, you should be transformed from one degree of glory to another by beholding him. With unveiled faces, we will be transformed from one degree of glory by beholding him. And, and that's what I'm after. I want to help people behold the triune God. Sometimes theology will will get the bad rap or the caricature that it's not practical, that it's it's kind of stale and cold and could lead to a kind of a dead faith that's just intellectualism. But man, that's just not been my experience, to be totally frank. What what's happened for me is as I behold the Lord, I love the Lord more. And that which I contemplate, I come to appreciate. And I, what I'm after here is a eye full of God's glory and grace such that I will be transformed. My soul will be formed. My person will be formed. And I, I think regardless of where you are, regardless of your theological background, regardless of your educational journey, regardless of if you consider yourself an intellectual or not, the most practical thing you can do in the world is get a bigger picture of who God is and what he's doing. And again, theology isn't sufficient to give you that, but it is a really good tool to go that direction, to turn your mind's eye Godward. Yeah, I, I love that. And when I, what, one of the things I would say when I was pastoring is, you know, when I read the New Testament, there's this assumption that to be a follower and disciple of Jesus is to be intentional and to study. That's right. Uh, that there's no really category of someone who's sort of casually into Christianity. Um, a lot of the verbs in the New Testament, right, lend themselves to there's an intentional study. There's intentional mm-hmm. work being done here that we're participating with the spirit in our sanctification. And we're uh, I even think of Paul at the end of his life is about to die. He's like, you know, bring bring the books, you know, mm-hmm. uh, even right. Paul, who, you know, before he was a Christian, was was schooled in the. Hebrew scriptures, and then, of course, became such a student of Christ. Even Paul's saying, hey, you know, I need to study out. And so, I, 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 think, I think what you're saying is, is so important. Um, I think some of the time, Ronnie, people pit the study of theology against the kind of joy and spiritual growth in being a Christian. Yeah. And so, you'll see folks say things like, I don't care about your theology. All I care about is what kind of a person you are or, you know, I don't care. You know, I'm not, I'm not worrying about doctrine. I'm worrying about love, all that kind of things. Talk about why that's, well, you and I know that's a false dichotomy, but why is that, you know, why is it wrong to pit the two against each other? I think, you know, for so many reasons, but one of the, one of the reasons I think it might be helpful or it might be helpful to start the answer by asking why would they even be tempted to do that? 
And the answer to that question is one of the major impetuses for why I wrote the book. And it and that is the reality that sadly, it's not difficult to look out across the landscape and see what's taking place in the name of, you know, quote unquote theology or theological conversations and just be a touch disheartened. There are a lot of people in the name of theology belittling others. There's a lot of people in the name of theology dividing believers. There's a lot of people in the name of theology pursuing a platform or pursuing the, the attention and applause of man and by virtue of theology. And it, it would be easy for listeners or readers or just everyday Christians to say, you know, if that's what theological life looks like, I'm just not interested in that. And not only does that happen on things like social media, of course, that exasperates the whole issue, but even the last three years, the cultural moment we've been in, there's so many things to divide over. Uh, there's so many, whether it's theology or culture or, or, you know, pick your poison, there's so many things in which churches which have been able to assume unity just have not been able to assume it. Uh, they've had to fight for it. And often theology is seen as an opponent to unity. And I just, my, my hope in, in this book and even in just, you know, broader theological life in general is to move in, uh, and move in a counter direction, move upstream from that kind of notion. And so to go, to go back to your, to your question directly, I think there is a kind of theological life that you can pursue as an individual and in a covenant community that edifies you, that glorifies the Lord, and that leads to the love of your neighbor. And I think it's that kind of theolo- theological life that I'm, that I'm trying to get after in my own world and in the world of anyone who reads or listens to what I do. Mm-hmm. I really, I really like that. You know, again, what, you know, like theology understood is just a study of God, right? The one who, who died for us and, and, and loves us. And why would we not want to know more? And That's I right. have always felt like theology, the study of theology, not theology itself, the study of theology can either be used as a catalyst for worship or as a kind of a cudgel to, to prove our rightness. Right. And to me, it's not actually our theology. That's the, the pro- it's not the theology. That's the problem. It's, it's our hearts. Right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly yeah. right. Um, so I want to talk about some of the themes you have in here. Um, yeah. uh, it's called fruit. This book is fruitful theology. How the life of the mind leads to the life of the soul by Ronnie Kurtz. We'll have links to it in our show notes. I want to encourage all of you to get this. It's a really, really good and important book. Um, and you, you kind of, walk through the different virtues of um, the fruits of the spirit mm-hmm. and, but walk through them uh, kind of through a theological lens. Um, you, you know, let me ask you this. Uh, today, it seems like when you think about the fruits of the spirit, they're sort of not in vogue, right? You're hearing a lot of conversation like, well, we're in difficult times. We're in a different, we're in a different world now. So, we got to adopt a different strategy. But when I read the New Testament, I don't feel like the fruits of the Spirit are conditioned toward <laughs> That's right. the environment we're in, especially the fact that they're written by, you know, apostles who were about to, like, lose their lives. It seems like even among Christians, cultivating these, these uh, traits seems controversial. Why is that? Yeah, what's so interesting is 
when I was kind of working through the material that would become this book, obviously the fruit of the Spirit, the, the primary place you're going to find that is in Galatians 5, as, as Paul's kind of contrasting the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And in that, in that chapter, in Galatians 5, Paul lists, you know, something like 12 or 14 works of the flesh, and some, not all of them. But some of them seem to be a more accurate description of kind of the tone and posture that many Christian theologians are taking these days. Some of the, some of the things in the, the, the works of the flesh are things like strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, factions. And I thought, man, there is a diagnostic question here of does your tone on social media, with your family, in your local church, is your tone, is your theology more accurately described by the works of the flesh, envy, outburst of anger, jealousy, selfish ambition, or in Galatians 5 also the fruit of the Spirit, patience, kindness, self-control, love, joy. I just don't think that many people in America today, when they think of theology or theologians, think of, of adjectives like peaceful or gentle or self-control. But I do think it's not difficult to find someone who might think of something like selfish or dissension or outbursts of anger. And so the diagnostic question became, does our theological life... Is it more accurately described by the works of the flesh or the fruit of the spirit? And you're right. We can almost tempt ourselves to think that the strategy or the playbook of the works of the flesh is a more is a more direct and winful route towards power or an audience or some kind of winning when in reality we know that in the kingdom it is the meek who will inherit the earth. And so we cannot jettison the fruit of the Spirit regardless of our cultural climate, our political climate, our theological climate, ecclesial climate, you name it. We are called to display the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit uh, are those virtues listed there in, in Galatians 5. Mm. That's, that's really good. And I think one of the things you do as you kind of go through the, uh, these fruits of the Spirit, you kind of what I love about it is you sort of talk about the theological basis for these yeah. fruits of the spirit, which in and of itself reminds us, right. That you can't really get away from doing theology. Like mm -hmm. we're always doing theology. Mm -hmm. This is one of the things I would say to people who are say, well, I don't, I don't care about theology. I just care about love. But that in itself is a theological statement, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I was hoping to do in the book is, you know, you, you maybe have, have read, like a theological virtues book or an intellectual virtues book, which which are very good and right, and they, they, these kinds of books will instruct you, like, hey, when you're when you're thinking, when you're when you're doing theology, make sure you're loving, or make sure you're kind, or make sure you're patient, and that's good and right. But I wanted to kind of reverse engineer the whole process and say, actually, contemplating God and all things in relation to God, that process that we call Christian theology. Even that very process, when done well, can lead to love, can lead to self-control, can lead to patience. And so instead of kind of starting with patience and starting with the virtues, I start with theology and hope to show how the theological life can lead to those virtues being formed in your soul.
Right. And, you know, when I think about some of the first ones, when you think about love, how misunderstood love is, you know, how can we love properly if we don't know the theological basis for it, the, the foundation of our love? What motivates us to love? You know, this idea that you can just sort of float around with this kind of Christian-y feeling of love. Mm-hmm. Well, how do we know? What about when, when that is tested? What, mm-hmm. uh, how, how do we love people who are unlovable? With, without a theological basis, there's, there's no way to love, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I didn't, you know, maybe this is just, maybe this is just me. Maybe I'm, you know, as wicked as they come. But if I am left to love based on my fickle feelings and emotions, it's just not going to be good for myself or my neighbors. But if my love can have a sturdiness to it, a more rootedness to it, I think I'll be able to love the Lord, love myself, and love my neighbor better. If there's some kind of truth or foundation that my love is rooted in, as opposed to how I feel that particular day or how I feel about this particular person. I just want it to be deeper than that, more mature than that. Yeah. I mean, and it's the same with all these virtues, right? Like with all these uh, fruits, when you think about joy, when you think about uh, faithfulness, gentleness, you know, w- what is the basis for these things? What is the what is the root of these things if we don't understand it now? And, and to me, you know, when I think about when I think about folks who um, uh, that I've known that are some of the sharpest theological minds that I've gotten to meet, uh, for the most part, you can tell. Like most of them really love the Lord. I mean, mm-hmm. like, like, like it's not just a kind of intellectual exercise, but it's mm-hmm. a, it's, um, it's something that God's been stirring in their heart. And, uh, they both have done their theological homework, but they've also done this sort of homework in their heart. Theolo- theology really should lead us to, to greater wor- worship, right? Uh, exactly. Uh, wh- what are some things that you encourage I think I want to kind of do both ends of the scale here. When you think about pastors or church leaders listening, and they want to really raise the theological literacy of the people in their church, um, what are some things that they can do? Particularly, you know, if you're talking to a pastor of a, a average to medium-sized church, they don't have a huge budget. They don't have a – they may not have critical mass to be able to – you know, have like an institute like some some churches have where they're, you know, sort of a formal theological institute, which is really great. Uh, but what are some practices and ways that pastors can raise the theological literacy of their people? Yeah, absolutely. I would say the first thing is, I think, um, you know, the, the famous phrase that that culture eats the or culture eats um uh, uh, it's, now I'm blanking it. Culture eats plans for lunch or something. Sorry, you'll have to... yeah. I think it's like culture eats plans for yeah, something like that. Something like that. Anyways. Yeah, and then the reason I bring that really misquoted quote up is to say that the culture of theology in your church is going to be really important. And so, if you have a culture where theology is only talked about in these kind of ferocious, fiery, draw the line in the sand kind of things, that's just not appealing to most people. And of course, there are obviously times to to draw the line in the sand, 
and what have you, we should be we should be convictional and truthful. But I would say the first thing you should do to develop to raise the theological literacy in your church is tie the theological life to the the life of affections. Show people not just what is true, but why what is true is beautiful. Why what is true is good. And I think tying truth to the beauty and the good is a really helpful way to to set souls on fire in a good way for theology and showing your people that this is not just a mere war strategy, but it's a mm. deep well of joy to be visited often. That will mm. really help reshape the, the theological culture in a local congregation. So I would start there. Just ask, what's the culture? What is theology even used for here amongst our people? And then you can get to more of the practical things once the culture is set, you know, whether it's small group discipleship, one-on-one mm-hmm. discipleship, Sunday schools, what have you. Right. And, and really seems like not treating theology, the study of theology, as just kind of like niche hobby. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, cause you know, th- there's sometimes a culture in a church where it's like, oh yeah, that's just, you know, this one guy and he loves to study theology and he's like the theology guy. And it could be that there's a few guys or a few gals who just really have a, a brilliant academic mind. Right. But the tendency is to say, well, you know, th- those are those guys. They, they really go deep and they, they study theology. The rest of us can sort of skate. But kind of creating that culture, I, I like that. Well, uh, on the flip side, what is what is some advice you'd give to fellow academics or people who teach, maybe pastors, who are reading and studying theology as part of their vocation? How do we hmm. have these discussions and carry ourselves in such a way that um, – we're not becoming more arrogant and puffed up as a result of more knowledge, but it's it's making us more like Christ. Yeah, I love that. Besides question. reading your book, um, <laughs> yeah, Fruitful Theology, one. How the Life of the Mind Leads to the Life of the Soul. This is definitely step one. I love that. Yeah, that's. Uh, I didn't pay him to say that, listeners. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say this is going to sound like a Sunday school answer, and I'm, I'm okay with that. But I, I'll often challenge my students who have an obvious gifting or inclination towards the life of the mind who shows some kind of intellectual capabilities above their peers, that that kind of student can sometimes show up to your classroom a little arrogant or a little self-assured or puffed up. And I'll just remind them with a quick question, hey, I will allow you to do theology for theology's sake if you can find me a single theological clause in the New Testament that wasn't meant for the local church in some way. And the reality is, is there isn't. I know that they know that, you know, some of the most brilliant theological literature ever written is contained in the New Testament. Read something like Romans. The theology of Romans is otherworldly good right? It's as if God inspired this book and it is riddled with gorgeous and complex theology. And the reality of Romans is that it was meant for the church at Rome. And so theology done right and theology done well will be, we don't have the option for it to be any other way. It will be bent towards the lives of God's people. That is what theology is for. A book outside of Fruitful Theology that I would recommend for more academic types who want to think about this is uh, a book called The Culture of Theology by John Webster. 
Mm. That, that book is outstanding in terms of asking, uh, what is the right culture? What is the right setting for theology? And the answer to that question is always going to be theology is to be done in and for God's people, period. The academy is amazing. I've given my life to serve the to serve in the academy, mm. but Jesus is is not coming back for the academy. Jesus did not shed his blood mm. for the academy. He he's coming back for his bride, and he shed his blood for her. And so that's where we bend our theology. And if we don't, it's just theology incomplete. Mm. Mm. That is so good, and I I love the way you phrase that. You know, the the locus of God's activity in the world is a local church. That's right. And uh, we study theology, you know, in order to serve the people of God, to love God more, not to be proven right, not to you know engage in petty petty de- debates and discussions. Uh, really, really enjoy that. Um, want to encourage folks to get this book, Fruitful Theology, How the Life of the Mind Leads to the Life of the Soul by Ronnie Kurtz. Uh, great book. I want to encourage all of you to go ahead and, and, and get that. And Ronnie, thank you for your, um, your writing and your scholarship and uh, for what you're doing to serve the church. You raise up the next generation there at Cedarville. Just love that uh, these young kids are getting to sit in on your classes and, and learn the deeper things of God. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. I, and thank you for... What you do, you're a, you're a great example. If folks want to look like, hey, if folks want to ask, hey, practically, what does it look like to live out the content of fruitful theology? I think you're an excellent example of being both convictional and kind in a way that is glorifying to the Lord and good for your neighbor. So really appreciate you, my friend. Well, thank you, Ronnie. Appreciate it. And thanks all of you for listening. And uh, we'll have links to all of this in our show notes. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Way Home Podcast with Daniel Darling. For more information, you can visit danieldarling.com. If you do like this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. We also encourage you to rate and review so others can know about the podcast. You can follow me at at Dan Darling on Twitter or go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Daniel M. Darling. Thank you for listening to The Way Home Podcast. Podcast.